intentionally the hymns this weekend of Valentine's Day, intentionally this sermon. It is entitled, God's Plan of Blessing. Her name is Mary. She's six years of age. She gets out of bed and she sees her mom in the kitchen and her mom is getting ready to bake cookies. And her daughter, six years of age, pulls up a stool across the counter from her mom and she says to her mother, Can I help you bake cookies? And the mother smiles and says, I love for you to help me bake cookies. I learned how to bake cookies from my mother. And when you have children many years from now, maybe you can help them learn to bake cookies. And Mary excitedly asks, what can I do? What can I do? How can I help you? And at that moment, the training process begins. It involves, for Mary, the six-year-old, it involves watching. It involves processing what she sees. And it involves her actually doing it. Watching, processing, and doing. And then when she has learned from her mother... She can pass that on to her daughter. You must have a trainer, and you must have a trainee. You must have a teacher, and you must have a student. And that's how things are passed on from one generation to the next. A trainer and a trainee. Dad, show me how to change the oil. Your brother, show me how to pitch a baseball as fast as you do. Dear sister, show me how to fix my hair so it looks as pretty as yours does. So many things in life as a result of the trainer and the trainee relationship, from tying your shoes to driving a car to an endless list of things that as you sit here this morning, you think back to your own mother and your own father, and you tick off in your mind what you learned from them. God does the same thing. Romans 15, 4, it says specifically, these things written down by God, the trainer, these things are written in order to teach you. Not to teach you how to bake cookies or drive a car. These things are written to teach you as to how life is to be lived. And the teaching begins by telling you what God is like. Because if the guy is no good, you don't want to be trained by him. But if God is good and if God is love, then that which he speaks in this book is that which is used in our lives. These things written in order to teach you. It begins in the third verse of the first chapter of the Bible. These words. God said, let there be light. In the Hebrew, it's a command. He didn't scratch your head 
and say, well, to no one else, who is God commanding? And the answer is, God is commanding himself. You say, that doesn't make any sense. It sure does. The Bible says two things about God. They're both three words. The Bible says that God is love. And then in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light. God is love. God is light. Two separate things. Who is commanding God when he says, let there be light? I'll tell you. The God is love, which is in the heart of God, is commanding the essence of God, which is light. The love of God is commanding the light of God to command those words, let there be lights. And there was light. The most powerful force in God's being was commanded by the heart of God to be let loose upon creation. And then it was done. God's being was shared with the entire universe. You know what black holes are. They do nothing except suck in energy. That could have been God. God could have said, I am light, I have all this power, I can keep it to myself. But the heart of God told the essence of God, you have to let it loose. And there was light. It is the most incredible miracle next to the Bible and next to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's the most incredible miracle there is. Creation. Romans 1.20 Since the moment that God said, let there be light, His powers have been revealed through the act of creation. His divine nature and eternal power have been clearly revealed by the things that were made the moment that he said, let there be lights. Trainor and a trainee. We pull up a chair and watch God, the trainer, at work. First John 1 John 1.5, God is light, in him there is no darkness. Before creation itself, God was already light. And God so loved the world that not only did He send His only begotten Son 4,000 years later, but God so loved the world that He opened up His mouth and He shouted the command, Let there be light. And thousands of years later, His Son dying on that cross for our sins so that the darkness that comes into our life because of sin can be cleansed by His blood and we are transformed. And that light, which God spoke on the first day of creation, that light, what happened to it? When creation was done, did that light disappear? Or is that light still in existence? As creation continues on and on and on, is that light still in existence? And the answer is yes. Life continues to be created, but that light of God also has found a residence in the lives of His children. That light that He spoke on the first day of creation, 
There are pinpricks of that light in the lives of his children. And that includes you and me. It gives insight into Jesus' comment, Matthew five sixteen. Jesus said, Let your lights, which is part and parcel of the light that God spoke on the first day of creation, let your lights so shine before men that they might see this goodness that the light produces and it will cause them to think about God and to give Him thanks. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light, and that light is in Paul's strand, and that light is in you. Galatians 5.22, two years ago, a church-wide small group study on the fruit of the Spirit. And every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit has to do with that light that God spoke on the first day of creation and is now in you. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Guess what love is? It's a pinprick of God's light in you reaching out to someone else. What is joy? It is a pinprick of God's light in you reaching out to someone else. What is peace? A chaos all around, and there's a peace and a calmness in you. I was talking to Chuck Burnett yesterday there in the hospital. And Chuck is telling me a story about when he's in the Vietnam War and when the plane begins to go down and that plane is going to crash. And he's praying to God. He says, God, I have you. That's all I really need. I have you, God. Be with me. And all these years later, Chuck Burnett says to me, Pastor, can you believe at the moment I prayed that prayer, this most incredible peace descended upon me. This most incredible peace descended upon me. Reminded me of Ken Cohn so many years ago. Ken Cohn was in World War II. And Ken Cohn said, I'm standing out in the middle of a field. And I hear in the woods around me, I hear guns being cocked. And I know it's the enemy. I know it's not any of my men. I know it's the enemy. And I know I am going to die. And as I hear those guns cocked, and as I wait for my life to come to an end at any moment, I look up into the sky and I say, help me, God. And my eyes focus on that constellation called the Holy Cross. And when I saw that constellation, the most incredible peace I have ever known on this earth descended upon me. When God said, let there be lights, when love or joy or peace is in you and flows out of you, that's the divine light that's in you reaching out. When patience and kindness and goodness come out of you, touching someone else's life, that's the divine light in you reaching out to someone else. Faithfulness when temptation comes. Gentleness, self-control. What is it? It's the light that God spoke, first day of creation, still at work in the lives of every one of His children on this earth. 
Light does not invade light. Light invades darkness in any form. The darkness of prejudice, the darkness of poverty, the darkness of broken relationships, the darkness of addictions, the darkness of impurity. Light invades darkness. And when it invades the darkness of any sort, the darkness is pushed away, sometimes permanently, sometimes for a while, but darkness is pushed away. Jesus says, I want you to do what I did. I want you to do what I did. I want you to say out of your mouth and out of your heart, I want you to say, let there be light. And you bring that light into someone else's life. Give of yourself that all might be blessed. That's the theme. Give of yourself that all might be blessed. Sun, moon, and stars give of themselves. The moment they stop, the earth would die. The soil gives of itself the nutrients that are in there. They give of themselves so that grasses can grow and animals can eat. And even those animals that eat other animals are kept alive because those animals eat the grasses that come up. And if the soil becomes polluted by chemicals and the nutrients die, then that section of land is dead. God literally said to the trees and the bushes, I have produced seeds in you, and I want you to disperse the seeds. And then we come to God's height of creation, you and me. Breathed into the dust of the earth, Genesis 1.27, and here is Adam, and here comes Eve. And God says, Adam and Eve, I want you to take care of the earth. And the way I want you to take care of the earth is by giving of yourself that all might be blessed. And that's what we do. I've told you the story before, some 25 years ago, raging blizzard out there. And I'm coming back from Peace Memorial Village. I'd just seen somebody there. And when I get out of there an hour later, here's this raging blizzard and I'm driving down the road and and all of a sudden my car dies. There weren't any cell phones in those days. I said, I'm in big trouble. And the cars went by me, a hundred cars went by me. And then a car pulled over to the side. I saw the brake lights go on and All of a sudden, that car was backing up toward me. And all I could think of was to say, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. This is some miracle. Thank you, God. And the gentleman comes walking back, and I roll down the window. First words out of his mouth are, Pastor Strand, is that you? And I said, Paul Gary, is that you? He didn't know. He didn't know my car. He didn't know who was sitting in there. The The snow was too heavy. But he stops. And his light at that moment pushes away the darkness of more fear than you'd realize. 
His light pushes away the darkness. And every time I see Paul Gary sitting right over yonder, I think of that. Maybe he's forgot it a long time ago, but I haven't. That's what light does. I do 35 or 40 funerals a year. And at 75% of those funerals, there are eulogies spoken. And they're not eulogies, here's when they die, here's when they're born, here's when they died, and here's who they married, and here are the names of the grandchildren. Those aren't the eulogies I hear from that lectern. The eulogies I hear are these. I could go to Grandma at any time. Middle of the night, I could go to Grandma. And she had listened to me for two or three hours. And when I was through talking with Grandma, there was always such a peace and a calmness. My dad was a tough guy, but I'll never forget the times where my car broke down and it might be one o'clock in the morning and I'd call my dad and he'd come rushing out there and he is so happy to see that I was safe. And he's so happy for the opportunity as we drove back to the house to be able to talk with me. My aunts paid for my first year in college. When I hear eulogies, I hear stories about lights from these individuals that will never be forgotten. And when I hear their stories and when I see the light coming from these people who are now safe in heaven, I cannot help but think the same light that God gave out on the first day of creation had found its way into these people's lives. Trainor and trainee. And it tells you not how to bake cookies. It tells you how to live life. Push aside the darkness. True story to close. Happened last week. In our parking lot. So last week I'm driving and I'm getting ready to park in my usual place right out there. And Katrina Klaus has her class out and they're doing their, their uh, let's take a break, 10 minutes. They're walking around the building. And as I'm getting ready to pull my car there, they're standing right there on the sidewalk and I don't want to interrupt and I don't want to scare them. So instead of going there, I drive down the parking lot, wait for them to clear. And as I drive down the parking lot, there's a young man, his car is rattling so badly that even with my windows rolled up, I can hear his car rattling. I drive past him, I nod and just then make a turn and then come up and then come across. I didn't realize he followed me. I didn't realize he was behind me and all of a sudden when I stopped, got out of the car, he was there and he rolled down his window and he said, can you help me? And I looked in the back seat of his car and there were blankets and pillows. There were some clothes, there was some canned food, and there was a lot of fast food. And I said, are you living in your car? 
And he said, yes, I am. I said, for how long now? He said, for nine months. I said, your mom or dad, are they around? He said, no, they're both dead. I said, do you have any siblings? He said, a brother out in California. Haven't spoken to him in five years. I said, what's your name? He said, Michael. He said, what's your name? He said, Michael, how old are you? He said, I'm 25. And then he said, how old are you? 39. Michael had these uh, Coke bottle glasses on. And Michael had what looked like pajamas on. And I said, Michael, how, how do you survive? How do you get enough money? He told me he didn't have a job right now. I said, how do you get enough money to live? And he said, Paul, he said, I drive from one church to the next all throughout Chicago. I'll get to 20 churches in a day. I said, Michael, when you get to a church, what happens? He said, 19 times out of 20, they say to me, move on. Sometimes it embarrasses me. Sometimes they're kind when they say it. He said, one church out of 20 will help me. They'll give me canned goods. They'll give me gift cards for gas or for food. And sometimes they'll give me 10 or $20. He said again, can you help me? I took out my wallet and I emptied my wallet. And I said, the good Lord willing, for a month, there'll be enough gas and enough food. I asked him, is alcohol or drugs any part of your life? And just looking at him, I could tell it wasn't. Just someone really, really, really down in their luck. He didn't say thank you, he said this. He said, I'll never forget this moment, ever. He said, I'll never forget this moment, ever. And then he reached out his hand and we shook hands through the window. When God's light, let there be light, is at work in your life and mine, and that light shines forth, you push away darkness. You push away darkness. Takes off his glasses, he's crying. And in that moment, something came to him, and that something was called hope. That something was called hope. When he stops, when Paul Gary stops in the middle of a blizzard and comes back to help some stranded person in a car who shouldn't have been out there anyway, what does he do? He pushes away darkness. And so it is for you and me with this light of God in us, when that shines forth, even for a moment in the form of a smile or a helping hand or anything else, 
when that shines forth, you've pushed away the darkness. And that's why God puts us on this earth. Closing word. Your time, 63 years. Your time on this earth, 28 years, 10 years, 97 years. Your time on this earth is to be used for one purpose, push back the darkness. Your talents on this earth, you're an engineer, guess where God's going to put you? Not in the symphony orchestra. God's going to put you with other engineers. You're a nurse, guess where God's going to put you? Not in the plumber's union. He's going to put you with other nurses there in the hospital. Wherever God takes your talent to put you, He wants you to push back the darkness. And your treasures on this earth, that paycheck, the job that God allows you to have, the paycheck that comes. God says, you know, do this for me. Keep 95%, use it however you want to. Can you give me 5% back? Keep 98%, can you give me 2% back? Keep 90%, give me 10% back. Because in the ministries that your paycheck supports, we try and push back the darkness. Over in our school, here in the church, in our small groups, in our choirs, in Compassion International, in Feed My Starving Children, whatever we do, we seek to be God's light, pushing back the darkness. Happy Valentine's Day to you, one day early. And happy is this day created by God, given to you by God for one purpose, right? To let that divine light shine through you, pushing back someone else's darkness. Michael, 25 years of age, maybe he'll never forget that moment in the parking lot. I hope and pray that he comes back because I want to talk to him some more. But Paul Strand will never forget that moment in the parking lot last week when that young man says to me, I will never forget this moment, ever. Let there be light in our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise for a moment? Lord, I could ask you to touch our lives, but you've already done it. And because you've touched our lives, John 7, 38, Jesus said, the streams of living water, meaning the Holy Spirit, meaning the divine light, the streams of living water that have entered you, they can't stay in you. The light that God has given you can't turn into a black hole. Let those streams of living water flow forth from you, to touch the lives of the Michaels and the millions of others on this earth, spoken about in the hymn that we just sang. There are so many hearts that are cold. There are so many bodies that are hungry. Lord, may your children on this earth be the most powerful force imaginable as we let your light shine forth and they see the light of God in that act of kindness that is done. May it be so in our Savior's name. Amen.